Hey there, welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about technology, people, and culture. I'm Matt Ryan, digital marketing strategist, and with me as always is Curtis Selleck, finance consultant and fandroid enthusiast. On this episode, we're excited to talk about Mobile World Congress 2018. It's just wrapped up over the weekend, and our thoughts, uh, I suppose, on the trends that will dominate our palms and what's already making headlines. All that and what we're excited about this week, starting right now. hey Hey, Curta. How you doing? Oh, Maddie. This is what we've lived for. This is, you know, the last 12 months have been coming up to this. Particularly this <laughs> this particular, this expo, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the World Mobile Congress, um, you know, sort of comes every uh, every year. So, you know, we missed last year's um, for, uh, I think, logistics purposes. But this year we're bang on. Recording schedule record, straightened record, out. Recording live. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the past. We may release it the same week as the event, which would be a fantastic result. <laughs> Yeah, so um, MWC, it's, uh, it, it is exciting because I think last year um, compared to this year, everyone was sort of watching what's, what trends year on year and what's going to be the new thing, what's coming out. Um, I know we had a, a podcast planned to do like what we expect from the event, but yep. in, you know, in hindsight, I think it's much better to do it post. Because Maybe so now we actually know what happened. Yeah. We can speak authoritatively <laughs> about it. Or at least this before. No. Um, but uh, but I think the there were so many things leaked up into up into uh, MWC that I find really interesting. Like it's the dynamic of the industry now. It is trying to get a first mover advantage, but you're you're not creating anything new. So I heard, we heard lots from about um, Samsung. Thanks, guys. Uh, still waiting for that. What's up, dudes? That, that sponsorship um, coming into uh, MWC and. It really having an impact on what other people were going to be doing or what other um, producers were going to be doing and manufacturers because, you know, why release a phone when there's so much hype already, you know, for top-tier model company XYZ? And in this instance, it was the, the Samsung 9, uh, Galaxy S9 and the Galaxy S9 Plus, um, which, yeah, I, I think a lot, like, I read a lot of articles that it steered a lot of companies away from making announcements now because why make them now? Give Samsung, the, you know, the spotlight and two months when that fades, you've got no opportunity. Well, I think that's very much the sort of case with a lot of these junkets where it used to be people were, there was enough, I suppose, airspace to go around and I think we're at a stage now where, you know, in order to own, say, like a media cycle, you really need to be like that much far ahead. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were sort of lots of um, organisations that had a flagship phone that maybe, you know, sort of wasn't maybe up to scratch or mm. needed something, uh, I suppose, a little bit more, you know, uh, more of a, a lead cycle around that to make it worthwhile. So I'm not surprised that lots of people stayed away. And I also think that, you know, the benefits of this kind of, uh, I suppose, concentrated reporting uh, have sort of been overcome, I think, in the years where, you know, when there's a new phone, people will cover it regardless of when it's released. It doesn't need to be sort of perfectly aligned with sort of the annual expo. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, I think the story is, well, Samsung sort of, you know, drops the hammer and then no, everyone sort of moves around it. So I think that that's really sort of something we're looking to sort of across the, across all the industries, really. I reckon. I just feel that um, uh, th- this, as an industry, uh, provides such a platform, maybe for you know newer prototype phones, concepts, people to get engaged, uh, to engage a different market, to you know have people go and road test concepts and ideas, you know, from experts in the industry rather than 
you know, as a launching pad for their, for their new phone. I mean, we've got um, uh, every year Apple run an event, and, and I remember way back when I think that's one of the first sort of tech things that excited me was because Apple would have their keynote. You'd just be able to sit there and watch it on YouTube, and it was, you know, fantastic. You'd have a full expo. Like, it was a real yeah. sort of – there's a song dance made about that that I think maybe has fallen by the wayside in the last couple of years. But there's not, there's not necessarily that requirement um, uh, anymore to launch a product. No. And, and the, these sorts of events, again, like – I would have loved to have seen more diversity, but sure, Samsung took the initiative. You know, who can advertise the earliest, who can get, like, the most leaks out the earliest, who can, you know, steal the show. And, and you know, I've read a number of articles where it's one, you know, the best product at the show. And, well, if everyone, if none of your competition are bringing anything, you devalues the, the reward that you get from winning that. So, yeah. I think one of the, uh, maybe before we start diving into some of the particular fun things that we enjoyed or some of the, the trends that we see coming out of there is really, I suppose, get a state of play of sort of where the market's at. It's interesting that, you know, Apple sort of releases a concept phone that sells, you know, well, but not particularly well and has price issues. Um, Samsung still con- continues to dominate sort of a significant chunk of the market. But you're seeing a lot of these sort of like second tier competitors start to fall away where you start seeing uh, people like LG who are really bailing out of mobile phones, you know, generally anyway. Um, HTC uh, just sold basically all of it to self to Google um, in order to, to make it work. So, uh, you know, you're really starting to see, uh, I suppose, this, pro- this sort of shrinking of the market where the models aren't necessarily, uh, I suppose, there's not a model, a new model from each of these organizations now. And I think we're also, you know, and this is maybe something that we've come back to in a couple of different sort of uh, stories at different times is, you know, we're at a really interesting um, point in technology where there's a period of transition. Like we've had a, we've had a status quo, 10 years of the iPhone yeah. um, and 10 years of smartphone. And there's a lot of people who are starting to think like, what's next? What's the next amazing sort of thing? And so we're starting to see like little pushes of the envelope but nothing I think sort of quite so revolutionary at this stage. No, and, and, I, and you don't have to be, right? I mean, unless... Uh... There's being, still space for a quality product. Well, being revolutionary, yeah, that's exactly right. So being revolutionary costs money. And so in a, in a numbers game, you know, um, where, uh, I mean, I can't speak for Steve Jobs, uh, rip, but, uh, you know, where, where I think he, his motivations or his intentions um, were perceived by the public or at least by myself, um, it was always a design and a product driven first and, and, you know, maybe creating shareholder wealth as, as a secondary. And so, you know, these are still massive enterprises, massive companies that need to make money. It's that, that's, you know, not, not the question here, but I feel that there was a, a perfectionism in his design that made him chase the next trend rather than focus on the current one, which is what I suppose also going back to, um, you know, sort of why would Samsung present at this time or why would this particular phone come out now, it's it's almost as though, like, the product cycles have been established. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of the, the Galaxies come out in sort of, like, March, April. Um, your sort of uh, your iPhones come out in September, October, something like that. So, you know, this is like an established sort of window for them to do that. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's interesting that we're just seeing these kind of, like, gradual iterations of some of these things. But uh, what particularly caught your eye um, of what was on offer this year? I really liked uh, Nokia's banana phone concept. Yep. I know we had that on the list. Uh. Well, I, I, I suppose I love that <laughs> sort of like Matrix vibe. Yeah. Um, what I've been fascinated with Nokia is that they've really like they've come out of nowhere um, to go from sort of being like a you know sort of palm pilot business assistant thing to really like embracing the retro aspects of their phone. Um, you know, I, don't, I think that uh, I mean nostalgia cycles are always getting particularly shorter and shorter. But who'd have thought there'd ever be like a nostalgia cycle for something like you know Snake the game? Yeah. Um, but uh, and you know this is phone is the phone that they're sort of relaunching is only 15 years old um, and you know sort of at what point has that 
kitsch becomes sort of cool again. And I really do think that the phone, like that, that phone seems to be sort of straddling that. Just as their release of, is it the, um, what's it, the 7210 re-release that uh, came out last year? I'm not sure they're like model numbers, but yeah. Like, I think the Nokia... The classic might, brick. Well, I think the uh, Nokia have a niche in itself to create this nostalgia product. They don't have to charge exorbitant amounts for it, but people might buy one on the fact that, you know, you could throw it and it would break a glass pane and you could escape out of a building. It's like, you know, a, a substitute for Thieves a fire on the fire. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's... it's um, it's it's like you see all these retro consoles coming out. You know, you, people of our age that used to live in that era played these, and oh well, you know, picking up a convenient, easy one for a, a relatively small amount. I'm happy to do that. So I reckon there's like a, there's a smart uh, concept here where you you build a phone up, and people uh, sorry you reinvent an existing model of a phone to make it you know of today's standards, but with that retro functional. Model. And I, I, the other thing that I think is interesting about that sort of retro play is that it really comes back to an idea of people wanting that just, I suppose, the phone that is only the phone. Yeah. There's been such a, a sort of trend over the years just to make the phone do absolutely everything and be uh, an all-encompassing sort of solution to every sort of problem that you could possibly have. You know, you do your banking on your phone, you know, you call, you watch videos, you send emails, you do everything basically on your phone. Yeah. And I think that there's a real appeal for certain people um, to sort of have a phone that maybe isn't so connected and is only sort of functional connected in sort of some some ways um, and I, I guarantee that would sort of change the way I view you know if I had a phone like that it would guarantee the way I watch videos the way I interact on social media all that kind of stuff um, I think there's a real niche for that and it seems to be you know the, the kitschiness I suppose um, is appealing just taking your point I suppose also about the uh, you know the retro gaming consoles that we've talked at length before like you can have a retro gaming console and then still have like an amazing sort of uh, high quality latest generation console whereas what I would find interesting is if somebody had like a uh, like a mobile phone that was like a retro like chunky monster um, and then still had your iPhone X next to it like where's the appeal there like you can't really share the numbers so it's sort of like there's a it stops being a retro and starts being actually like a commercial play. Well, maybe that's what Nokia needs to do. It's kind of like a Bluetooth-esque device that copies uh, certain aspects of your phone so you can keep your phone in your bag while you're at work or, I don't know, at the gym or whatever. And a Bluetooth, the relevant information that it can be that can be picked up on this, you know, banana phone. So yep. all you're playing is Snake and listening to fault calls and uh, sending text messages. Yep. And yet you still need, you know, like an MP3 player to listen to your music and sort of oh, everything yeah. else to go around your day. Yeah. Okay, it's such an interesting sort of, if, and this, like what is the niche <laughs> in the market to make that product so viable that they would not only release sort of their retro model last year as a bit of a gimmick, but then to go all the way through to this sort of like matrix level um, banana phone. It sounds ridiculous, but I, I want to try one. I just want to yeah. like hold it and see the feel because I love the idea of the clamshell, but yep. that's the idea. I think once like once, once you've actually had one, functioning it, use it, like functionally using it, like I have a 5S for work or 5, um, an iPhone 5, and the keyboard is so small and so hard to navigate compared to my Samsung Galaxy S Plus, uh, A Plus. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's so hard to navigate because, because of how tiny it is. But I remember back in the day, you know, those were things for speed demons. You'd be able to click, you know, a million words a minute. And do you think that's so much of your muscle memory about how your experience yeah. of using those phones there? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose uh, moving on to maybe one of the other things that we wanted to talk about today is, you know, the sort of straddling between like the old and the new, um, you know, the inclusion of the headphone jack um, in sort of lots of these uh, devices. So uh, lots of the new devices, I think particularly the S9 that got announced, you know, sort of has kept the headphone jack. Yep. You know, this time last year, I think lots of people were sort of like, you know, writing their RIP articles for the <laughs> 3.5 millimeter like headphone jack. And I don't think we're anywhere near that, even though, uh, you know, sort of Apple has basically declared it dead. I think the um, again that's yeah. there's two sides of the argument I feel here. One, uh, like I saw a really good uh, product breakdown of um, uh, HTC. Uh, I can't remember what, what the, the model was called, but it was the, the most recent HTC that got rid of the headphone jack. And so what the, uh, the the breakdown did was it opened it up and looked at all the space that was not utilized in this device. It was poorly made. Um, but there was plenty of room to put a headphone jack. Yep. They just chose not to because yep. of the, the gimmick that, you know, Apple was doing it, so nobody wants a headphone jack. Yep. But but I can from a business perspective, I want to sell two hundred dollar headphones. Yep. So why wouldn't I? Like it just is it's it seems you gotta give your, your consumers options. Like not everyone's gonna spend a thousand dollars on a phone and then have another two hundred dollars to spend on quality Bluetooth headphones or, you know, fifty bucks or whatever. Or even if you look at like an AirPod or something like that where, you know, like that they would be easily lost or sort of misplaced and sort of the you know the replacement costs on those kinds of things are fairly significant as well. But I feel like the AirPod is uh, a different again and it, like I'm gonna fanboy out on Apple here, but the A one chip that they have in the phones where you can seamlessly pair these two devices, this ecosystem system that we've talked about again and again uh, that, that's the thing of beauty like you don't have to think it's tap it's done yep. um, whereas anywhere that's like, worth the money you think yeah and whereas I have um, Jaybirds at the moment and connecting them to my phone is your like, Samsung Galaxy 8 Plus yeah it, oh no <laughs> it's an ordeal because um, you know I have to turn them on um, if I have two phones on that have Bluetooth that I've sunk with before, my yep. laptop at work, like uh, there's no quick switching between them. And that's probably more of a fault on the headphones because I've got other Bluetooth devices that quick switch between devices. But it it just, it, 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 it seems like, I don't know, I don't know if HTC even do their own Bluetooth headphones. So why are they even, you know, why are they not giving their consumers an option? And I think sort of buying into that kind of like Apple hype, you know, maybe five years ago would have been, I think, much more viable. Whereas now, I, th- I still think there is such a market for that type of headphone or that kind of experience. Mm. And I think particularly when you wind up sharing the charging port and the headphone jack as well, you know, that sort of um, uh, builds in all these redundancies that I think, and, you know, is not a really positive user experience. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if this sort of piece of technology hung around for years and years. Um, and I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm not ready to declare it dead yet. Well, uh, there are devices as well that come with uh, specific DACs. Yep. So, like, the sound quality out of the headphone jack can be that much better than a, than a like, I'm not an audiophile, but, um, again, you're giving yourself a market. So, like, people that want that sound quality, like, I listen to Spotify on anything, you know, whatever, but if I can listen to it on the go on a device where the sound quality is going to be, like, you know, pitch perfect. Mm. Um, that's an experience worth having. Yeah, well, that's just something to differentiate yourselves. Uh, the other thing I think that we wanted to touch on was, uh, I suppose, lots of organisations starting to touch on the 5G aspect um, and starting to launch phones or sort of have phones um, lined up in the future where 5G will be a reality. Uh, you know, that sort of evolution feels like it's been a long time coming and, and seems to be, I suppose, slower than, you know, like Moore's Law in the idea that uh, the rate of technology is sort of exponential. So, you know, we've had sort of 4G technology for at least, what, the last six, seven years. Mm. And it seems like um, only now we're starting to get to a stage where 
our speed requirements are outstripping that. Uh, I think that uh, that's an exciting sort of place for a lot of these phones to be. Uh, but it's, it's interesting that none of these phones necessarily, like the way that you use them doesn't seem to be changing so differently as to require that speed upgrade. Uh, the other, you know, it, it, and it's amazing how far we've come with that kind of sort of um, uh, phone quality. In that, you know, if you're ever sort of connected to three G um, for whatever reason, if you're outside of town, <laughs> it's, um, it's heinous. Worth nothing. Like it's like you're offline. And at what stage will we be feeling that four uh, G is sort of at that level again? I think you know we're probably going to be looking at the next iPhone comes out with five G, or certainly the next you know sort of um, the like subsequent sort of phones by some of these manufacturers are all going to be five G ready. But what kind of impact is that going to have on us as consumers? I remember um, years ago, uh, I read in Korea, you know, you could subscribe to a wireless provider that also had. Um, Wi-Fi hubs. Yep. So no matter what, you always had some sort of like connectivity. Um, I think the thing that frustrates me the most about the infrastructure in Australia is because we're so widely spread, um, you can even get dead spots in like metropolitan areas. Yep. Uh, and it's just infuriating. Like uh, I was in the shops the other day trying to Google quickly like, you know, a price for this so I can haggle or, you know, get, you know, walk out because it's exorbitantly priced. Um But I did have a 3G spot and I was legit like this should take half a second and it took, 60 yeah but it feels like an age and but that rate of it that rate of experience though it instantly turns you off it does and and I, and I would much rather have some consistency and some stability in the network than go faster mm. and uh and, and so i couldn't agree with you more i think in terms of what we consume these days um there's a lot more data packed in uh which is why you need uh you know quicker speeds and and you know 5g will be the next thing because by the time they come around, we'll have 8K, you know, displays in our phone and we'll be watching, you know, 8K, which is streamed live, all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I would just be, I think in Australia, I'm more excited uh, about what infrastructure we can put in place for that consistency. Maybe not 5G as much, but it, it's, it is interesting that phone providers would start accommodating for that now because, yep. you know, it's, it is an international stage. You know, people travel more often these days. Uh, than they did, you know, pre-mobile phones. And so you need to have that option. Um, I'd love to see the inclusion of, like, dual SIM cards so that when you go overseas, yeah, you can, you can know, have change. the option. Yep, just slide in a, a foreign SIM, keep your Australian one in there or, your, you know, your country of origin in there uh, and, and just, you know, move, move with the times. Like, I love that idea. Yeah, perfect. Well, there's probably only one other thing that I wanted to touch on, Matty. The Falcon? <laughs> no, no, no. It was um, uh, Blackberry. Right. Why, why, didn't, why didn't I see Blackberry? Why, why, why is the Blackberry there? What's that? Isn't the Blackberry dead and gone? No. Tell me no. more. No, so um, uh, Blackberry's in within the last sort of, I don't know, 12, 24 months, uh, moved into the Google ecosystem away from um, their, their Blackberry, you know, their proprietary device. technology that never interacted with everything else. No, but it was a closed circuit. Uh, it was it was Apple before Apple, you know. Yeah. Like holy crap! The uh, I remember in 06, I had a BlackBerry Bold. Um, you may have been the only one. No, it was huge, man. It was crazy. Like uh, there was a touch phone at the time. I can't remember. I think it was called the BlackBerry Touch. Wasn't. It just seemed like one of those little toggle balls. Yeah, like track, so ball, track balls yeah. are so good. Yep. And and I think, um, so I've seen a little bit of hype around, again, the most recent uh, BlackBerry phone, because they are going to release another one. Um, but it wasn't at um, MWC. And, and I think, again, that was, well, BlackBerry can't make any hype compared to what Samsung can. Surely so they're capturing some of that Nokia market there in terms of the sort of retro cool, right? 
Like, I would be so surprised if if BlackBerry was considering itself to be a serious player in the market entering now without releasing something that was self-aware. Well, did, did you know that... Uh, and this is Probably I don't, but please. This is one of our friends um, told me that Kim Kardashian has, like, a stash of these BlackBerry bolts because yeah. she's, like, a thing for them. Just like Monster Diaper, just FYI. Yeah, okay. A little tidbit there. Celebrity Sam- endorsement, all you need. <laughs> Kim, uh, if you can get Samsung on board... You and Rulat on board too. What about BlackBerry? Uh, actually, I wouldn't mind BlackBerry. Yeah, you'll take what you can get. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, if you've got any thoughts about uh, the way that you're using your phone this year or anything that you're particularly excited, do you want a retro Nokia phone? Do you want a banana, you know, the Matrix banana phone? Like, uh, if that's sort of uh, your appeal, let us know. And if you, if you check out any of the concept phones, um, we'd love, love feedback on that as well. I think, again... As I said, the, these these sorts of events need to be more around conceptual and just getting buy-in. We'll be right back with uh, the things that are critical to our mission this week. And we're back. No way. You're starting. Yep. It's my turn. Yeah. It's always my turn. And we're back. <laughs> Feel the inflection in the voice. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we can run with that. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah, good. Nice. that's good for a cut. Yeah. Um, Kurt, I know you've been wanting to talk about this for about three weeks. Wow. You probably had no one to talk about it at all. No. Um, just setting the stage. Um, uh, you know, behind the scenes. Um, often when we plan the podcast, um, it, uh, you know, usually is at the very last minute that uh, Kurt volunteers something uh, that, you know, he's excited about. If so not, we're... Rec- we've, like, we've live, like, like, I'm, like, I'm actually not aware of what, what it is that you're going to recommend, so it's always a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, on the outline sheet for this podcast, uh, it was the first thing you populated four weeks ago, so... How did you see that? I'm aware. Damn you, technology. Um, yeah, Falcon Heavy, Maddie. Holy shit, skyrockets in flight. Afternoon delight. It has been. Uh, it's been three weeks. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit over three weeks uh, since the launch of the Falcon Heavy. It's uh, only like ten percent of the way to Mars. I think the, the most exciting thing uh, at that point of my week back three weeks ago <laughs> was. Uh, it's amazing that this has sustained <laughs> you for such a long period of time. I know. Well, it's 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 exciting news, and I and I think the amount of time that we talk about how progressive. Tesla is, and that comes back to Elon Musk and having a shitload of money, but also being keen to, you know, drive innovation in the world, you know, across the world. He's doing things that change uh, lives of people. Uh, he's getting people more interested in and engaged in uh, space travel and and um, just understanding how much goes into that. Um, I think. Uh, that image of his car with the blot man, you know. Yeah, it's super cool. Well, that, and it, and it, it, it will define part of the next generation, you know. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think just for the world to be a part of it, it it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's, I don't know, I, I was speechless when I was watching it. So. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. But, uh, but were you watching it at work? Surely. Yeah, no, I, I had it in the corner of the eye. Yeah. Um, uh, but I definitely haven't, I suppose, revisited it in the same way that I'm sure you have. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I think it's uh, one of those things that you can really sort of mark a point in time. 
uh, where, you know, sort of the idea of space travel has evolved. Mm. And I think that we're at this stage now where, you know, we're getting sort of more and more commercial operators doing it. I think it's one of the few things that seems to be keeping, like, the US and Russia sort of at peace with each other. Um, uh, I read um, an amazing book um, who's uh, by Chris Hadfield about sort of an, the life in um, the space shuttle um, in the last um, uh, couple of months. Yep. And, like, just an amazing, I suppose, period where this kind of... Um, uh, idealism and sort of hope and ambition it's starting to come around again um and you know sort of i think that this is really emblematic of that and that's beautiful do you think i think uh you know neil armstrong buzz aldrin the other guy michael uh, collins no 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 the other guy no no that was the other guy <laughs> <laughs> um you know that that, that was a space event yeah and this is the equivalent of that yep. this generation's version of it i mean um the access uh to 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 TV, to YouTube, to how, how just the way you, that that was shared, I think, particularly as well. Yeah, exactly. It, it, I remember my mum saying that she was told they could go home to watch this on the day of, and you know when um, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, and everyone around the world was watching it. Yep. You know, and then I feel like this was a similar event. Yeah. So that, that is what's keeping. It's still, still giving you, still goosing you along now. I know. I mean, I could talk about mobile phones. No, all day, I could see how excited yeah. you are. Yeah. And how about you, Maddie? What's juicing your jaws? Um, I really don't know how much I enjoyed the actual film Black Panther. Um, I've seen it twice now. I liked it fine. Um, it was good. But what I really uh, have not stopped being able to play is the Black Panther soundtrack. Um, this is Kendrick Lamar um, and a whole bunch of sort of amazing people um, behind the scenes, um, you know, sort of uh, from his label doing like an incredible job. I think sort of um, creating something that's really modern and vibrant. Um, it feels like one of those situations where like the soundtrack is almost bigger than the actual movie itself. Mm. Um, sort of really harking back to some of that sort of like 80s and 90s sort of vibe where, you know, the soundtrack was the event as much as the uh, sort of film was. Um, super compelling, very exciting. Um, and I think sort of uh, uh, an energy from him that I think is so intense and exciting. Um, and, you know, sort of uh, the fact that he only released an album sort of nine months ago um, and is still able to come and give something entirely fresh, new and exciting. Oh, really? Um, you know, just brilliant. Bespoke for the movie. Yeah, so um, uh, I think it's 40 minutes of his original uh, music yeah. um, and then there's sort of about 16 or 17, like, other collaborators on top of that. Right. And so did he organise all of it? Or? Yeah, so he um, apparently he saw, like, a 30-minute cut of the movie um, and then was like, cool, uh, I was going to do one song, but now I'm going to do a whole album. Um, and it's just basically roped in all of his friends to, to pull something together. Yeah, right. yeah, incredible. Kendrick. My man. Needs to collaborate with Elon. Yep. That'll be a match made in heaven. <laughs> You'll find links to some of the things we spoke about today on our website, missioncriticalpodcast.com. You can drop us a line at missioncriticalpodcast.gmail.com or hit us up at our Facebook page facebook.com slash missioncriticalpodcast. Leave us an iTunes review. We will read every one-star and five-star reviews that are posted. How are we going on that? There are no reviews. Damn you, upper incisor. Really leaving us hanging, hey? Um, we have 37 subscribers and one review. Oh, really? Yeah. Can we... Uh, anybody? It's not happening. I'll put some cricket music in. Yeah, you should. Over the top of what we're saying right now. Or maybe a small violin. Yeah, just leave this in. Yeah, okay. Until next time, I'm Matt Ryan. And I'm Curtis Selleck. See you real soon. See you soon.